All right. I think we're live. Are we live, Nicholas? We're live. All right, cool. Uh, so welcome, everyone, to the Unnamed podcast. Uh, we will figure out a name at some point, but we Still haven't working done so on yet. It. Yeah, exactly. Work in progress. And I'm here today with uh, my colleague, Nicholas Schaefer. Hi. Niraj, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about, well, Nicholas, I'm going to ask you a question. And my question mm -hmm. to you is, how do I age like a boss? Mm. Well, you've come to the right place um, <laughs> because in the coming weeks, we're going to reveal all the secrets about uh, how to age like a boss, how to grow old gracefully and not become a lump. Um, basically, everything you need to know about aging and style is what we're going to cover in this season. And, and are we going to try and avoid all the wellness fat or are we going to try and make this into a product that we then sell on to people? Well, we're definitely um, seeking to exploit people for financial gain. <laughs> so I'm not sure I understood your question entirely, but... Um, yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing here. Um, so actually, this, this topic was is one that was felt very relevant. Any, any potential sponsors, just go ahead and take note of what I just said. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's, uh, that's a good point, Nick. I'll, like, uh, good job for getting that in. I liked it. Thanks. Um, so yeah, this I mean this the, this topic is uh, particularly relevant because today I was playing badminton and it was a bit of a disaster um, in terms of my fitness. Badminton—that's the game you play outside, right, with your family on when you're barbecuing. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. You just sort of just like stand there and like, uh, you know. Yeah, you kind of just tap away at something with a strange name. Right. Um, and then it blows away in the wind. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, I know and that sport. You know that sport. Yeah, uh, if I remember right, you're you're pretty good at that sport. In fact, uh, just the other day I saw you beat a fourteen-year-old. Oh well, just barely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the the real story here is that um, both Neeraj and I, uh, you know, enjoy playing badminton, and we did play quite a bit of badminton together um, back when Neeraj lived in Houston, and um, then. Neeraj visited the U.S. recently, and uh, it was shocking uh, to me how far we had fallen. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say I was surprised. It was a little surprising because that 14-year-old re we referenced earlier, um, I lost to that 14-year-old. At least Nick won. I won, but just just barely. Just barely, yeah. So and uh, yeah, so that that really brought to mind the question of like, you know, what what should we be doing to try to take care of ourselves because we're we're clearly declining. It's frightening. Um, and uh, we don't want to just go without a fight. Absolutely. Uh, for, as long as I, for as long as I can crush the youth, I, I definitely want to do that. There is, there is a certain joy. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and this is not, I mean, uh, this is a topic where, you know, I've been sort of passably absorbing information, you know, for a while, but not really have, you know, done a focused study of it. And so I'm looking forward to digging in here. Um, some of the obvious topics we might choose to cover are exercise and uh, diet, right? Those are two big ones that come to mind for people when they're thinking about how to take care of themselves as they age. So one thing I want to ask about you, because I mean, we know each other pretty well, but in all the time I've known you, I've never really known you to exercise apart from playing badminton. Can you expand on why that is? Well, um, 
so you know, I did play sports growing up. Um, and so that was a, a form of exercise. And that's kind of what I uh, became accustomed to is getting my exercise through sport. And that worked pretty well for me up through, I would say, graduate school. Um, so, you know, up through high school, I played team sports and then I went to um, undergrad <clears throat> and fell in with the badminton club at the University of Wisconsin. <clears throat> and that really became a uh, a passion of mine. You know, I played up to four or five times a week with the group there. And uh, even during graduate school, I managed at the first at the University of California, San Diego, and then at Rice University, I found groups to play with. And, um, you know, I was able to both get my exercise and do something that I enjoy at the same time. And then as soon as, you know, life takes over and you think you don't have any time to play or, you know, it's inconvenient to do so, there's no backup exercise routine in my, in my habits to sort of, uh, make up for the, the lack of playing sports. So I've basically fallen into an abyss of being unhealthy and, uh, that's part of the motivation for, for studying this topic with you. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when I look at my own, um, my own journey. So I was playing like quite seriously, um, well into my thirties. And then I had, uh, then I broke my toe. Um, Oh, here comes the sob story. Exactly. And, and I put on such a huge amount of weight whilst my toe was broken, um, that I couldn't face trying to get in shape again. It just, it was really hard, like versus maintaining fitness, like getting back into fitness when you've put on a lot of weight, I thought was like, it's just a different, you know, it was just a different, um, different challenge that I wasn't really prepared for. And then because of that, I just didn't do anything. So what are you doing now? Has, has the situation improved? Uh, okay. So right now I do try and go running every, a couple of times a week. And I, I have recently started playing badminton again. So today was the second time and, and probably about the fourth time in the past four and a half years that I've played. Um, so let's say <laughs> that's not a lot. <laughs> no, it's not a lot. <laughs> so, um, let's say it's going, I'm trying best endeavors. Um, and I'm hoping it goes somewhere. I mean, the challenge I've, I've always found with this is, and I think similar to yourself is you grew up playing sports. So all my fitness was really around, based around playing badminton quite competitively. And ever since that's gone from my life, it's been, again, I think maybe I'm in that same abyss. Yeah. And, um, that gets to a couple other topics that we want to, we want to cover, which are not you know, directly related to, you know, staying healthy, but they're important considerations. So like, how do you find the time and how do you find the motivation? How do you build the habits, um, to continue exercising? Um, and, uh, you also mentioned, you know, an important, easily measurable factor, um, that's on the minds of a lot of people, which is, you know, just what, what is your weight and how is it as compared to, you know, what you weighed five, 10 years ago? Um, how much of that weight is, you know, fat that you've put on versus muscle that you've added or lost. And, uh, you know, what's the importance of, of muscle, uh, having muscle as you get older, right? Yeah, exactly. So what, what type of exercises might you want to do as you age to ensure like a, a healthy old age really is something I do think about now. Um, cause I'm not really going to be competitive at sports in, in the same sort of way. Um, but I do want to have 
a reasonably healthy old age where I can, you know, I'm still mobile and can still get around and um, do things. So I think that's, as I get older, I think that becomes more of a concern to me. The, um, and, but, oh, go on, Nick. No, I was just going to say, uh, what, what, right now, what do you think are your, your biggest concerns in terms of your health? Uh, definitely, I would say my weight. So I weigh, uh, this may not be useful for American audiences, so about somewhere between 82 and 83 kilograms. So uh, 83 times 2.2, 182 pounds, something like that. Yeah. Um, and that is, so when we, when we were uh, living in Houston around the same time in 2013, I think I probably weighed around 68 kilograms. Um, that's a big difference. Yeah, that's a big difference. You're about 150. Yeah. Back then. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I definitely feel, I definitely feel the weight. Um, other things. So I do have a smartwatch and I do try and track it. Um, my VO2 isn't great, so I'm not really, um, very efficient when exercising with my, oh, my lungs aren't very efficient, let's say. Um, so I would like to improve that too. And then I, I've, I've read, or at least my brother is, I've read and my brother has told me that, uh, weightlifting becomes increasingly important for maintaining health as you grow older. So this is something I've thought about a lot as well. Um, and I was, I've been thinking about how do I, how much do I incorporate into my, into my life? Like how much weightlifting or into my exercise routines? Um, because I think, you know, if I was going to just do things that I enjoy, for example, badminton or swimming or, or, or those things, I probably am missing out on that whole area of exercise. So like, um. What about what about you, Nick? What are the, what are the indicators that you're concerned about, or are there any, or have you got a clean bill of health? So um, I have had somewhat of a history of high blood pressure, um, so that that's a concern in the long run, surely. Um, and otherwise, you know, I'm thinking a little bit long term, and based on my family history, um, uh, especially on my dad's side there's a history of neurodegenerative disease. And so um, I recently tried to enroll in a um, the world's largest to date Parkinson's trial hmm. um, that was enrolling people who, you know, including people who are now healthy. And the idea is to sort of, you know, track people as they're healthy and compare people who are healthy to people who are sick and watch people transition from being healthy to sick, some of them, right? And so that's the idea of like, enrolling a diverse group of people. Unfortunately, I was excluded from the trial um, despite having family history and a possible genetic predisposition um, on the basis of, I, I think it was just being too young in the end is what, what got me excluded. Um, there's just probably not a, a high enough chance that I will convert from being somebody who's you know visibly healthy to somebody who's visibly sick in the span of the trial that they have planned currently, which probably only five, 10 years. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, heart problems and neurodegeneration are two of the things that are on my radar at this point. Okay, and and especially with neurodegeneration, and you you mentioned it about the the family history. It is interesting the the nature versus nurture situation um, because you know some people their bodies do sometimes work against them. Uh, they have 
they, they suffer from chronic illnesses and those sorts of things. And those are uh, challenges. I mean, unfortunately, I don't, well, fortunately, I don't have any experience with those. Um, but yeah, that, that has a huge impact on some people's lives. Yeah. I mean, one way to think about this problem is to work, try to work backwards, right? So if you look at what are, what are the things that most often make people unhealthy or end up killing them? You can try to like work backwards from there and, and then see if you can, there's anything you can do to avoid those things. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, probably you'll just end up getting hit by a bus or something else will happen <laughs> to you, but at least you will have avoided all of these um, common things, causes yeah. of death. Right. Um, and so, you know, we mentioned heart disease, neurodegeneration, another big one that we haven't mentioned explicitly is cancer and, and also pulmonary disease. Um, so it's going to be interesting to like dig into these topics and see, you know, what kind of preventative measures have people proposed, what has been found to be helpful, um, what's been proposed and in the end has not been helpful. Um, and also, um, you know, this persistent question of uh, how much of this is really under our control, how much is just due to our nature, you know, our genetic predispositions, how much is uh, not so much nurture, but, you know, your lifestyle in this case. Mm. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I, another thing, another area in which I know that I also track, and I, I feel like I maybe I don't perform too well in, or as well as I would like, is is sleep. And I do think that this probably has quite a big impact on, on your health. Um, but I, I'm actually quite uh, ignorant about the the magnitude of that impact. Um, so I think this is another area I'd like to at least touch on, and have a look into. Yeah, and and for me that that intersects with the another topic, which is uh, gadgets that you can use to to measure your health or try to you know try to get a, a handle on your health. Um, so I have a a ring that uh, tracks my sleep, and um, now now that you mention it, this is another one of the concerns I have, um, which is um, it attempts to differentiate between different phases of sleep and then it applies some kind of like standard in terms of how much of each phase of sleep you're expected to get each night. And I'm chronically low on deep sleep. Mm. Um, and, uh, despite the fact that I, you know, overall I, I tend to sleep enough according to the same standards. And so, um, it'll be interesting to dig into, you know, the stages of sleep, what's known about, um, different stages of sleep and how it affects long-term health. Um, that's, that's something that I'm interested in learning more about. And, you know, like, there's a, so there's a, we've mentioned a bunch of things that we'd like to learn about. Um, I mean, what do you see yourself doing with that information, Nick, at the, at the end? Yeah, well, we do have to, you know, keep an eye out for things that are actionable. Um, for the most part, I'll probably do nothing. Um, <laughs> that's the default. Um, but, uh, you know, if things are scary enough and seem actionable enough, then, you know, you might hope to, to develop a habit, um, just out of, uh, you know, fear, uh, essentially. I, I think that's a, maybe that's a, the motivator in the end. Okay. So that, that, that's interesting. I definitely would like to take some of this stuff and see if I can incorporate it into my life. The, the stuff that's actionable, like you mentioned, uh, that is so you know people do mention that exercise is quite a um quite good for making you feel better and dopamine and, and those sorts of things uh, is that not something you generally experience or is that 
Well, it's interesting. So, um, and th this happens with exercise and it happens with other things in my life, which is that, uh, consistently what will happen is that I will not want to, uh, you know, take part in that activity. And then, um, you know, I'm just convinced that I don't want to do whatever it is in this case, exercise. And then, uh, for whatever random reason, you know, every once in a while I will do it. And then every time I'm glad that I did. And then, and then next time immediately, I'm sure that I don't want to do it again. <laughs> so this is some kind of psychological issue, um, that I, you know, need to have some mechanism for overcoming. I mean, I think that I can't hope to completely get rid of it because it's happened so often. It's just clearly the case, uh, with me. So I have to have some kind of external mechanism, um, to, to help correct this for me. And I think this like, you know, falling into a routine is maybe the best chance that I have for this. So if I just know that every day after I drop off my son, I'm going to drive back to my house and, you know, get an exercise uh, session in, um, that's probably my best hope. Um, I, I recently, most recently I fell off the exercise train because uh, I was actually very ill for about 10 days straight. And then, you know, once I recovered, it's easy to tell myself stories about, oh, you know, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait till I'm feeling better and start exercising again, just, you know, a month goes by and hasn't happened yet. So, uh, you know, I'm just constantly battling myself on this front. I know that game. And I actually also, I think, battle myself uh, in a little way in terms of I, I battle my younger self, my younger self. So if, if I'm exercising, I mean, this is the challenge of when you when you get unfit and then you need to try and get fit again, or you want to try and get fit again and your performance is just really poor and you're comparing yourself versus you're comparing yourself to an, a younger version of you. And it's just not helpful. And, but it's, I find that that is a motivation killer. Like I really enjoy exercise if I'm performing well, but if I'm performing badly, it's just, uh, it's awful. Like it really just destroys my joy that the joy I get out of it. Yeah. So that's, that's just another psychological problem that you have to yeah. just overcome. It's, I mean, I guess there's a lot of it. It must be, yeah. It's like there's things that you can do and then, and then figuring out how you do them. And I don't know if we'll, we'll have time to touch on the psycho psychological aspects of, of exercise. Uh, it might be quite a broad topic, but it would be something interesting to look into. So we, we've, we've talked a lot about um, sort of things you can do yourself and, you know, with your own body. Um, there are a couple other topics, like, for example, like what's, what's the role of medication or supplements? Um, so we talked about diet, right? But people typically separate uh, medications and supplements um, from, from generic diet considerations. Um, so, so let me just ask you, you know, as a way of getting into this, do you take any vitamins or supplements? So I take, so I'm vegetarian and, and pretty vegan actually most of the time. So I do take vitamin B12. Um, I think that's the one that uh, vegetarian people famously miss out on, but I don't really take any others. What I've never been truly able to understand about the whole vitamin market is how much of it is actually just a scam and how much of it is for real. Uh, I don't know if you, do you have any, insight into that or is that any an area you've looked into before not not particularly um you know we we give my my son like a multivitamin uh because we're worried about his diet 
Um, I myself don't take a multivitamin. We certainly, um, you know, when my wife was pregnant and, uh, you know, getting ready to become pregnant, we followed the standard recommendations about prenatal vitamins and stuff like that. Um, but uh, again, not a topic I know a lot about and or have strong opinions about, but I'm interested in learning more about. Hmm. And then, you know, just to sort of cap it off here, uh, we have sort of like a couple of things in our notes about, you know, what happens when everything goes wrong? You know, what, what can you do? Well, let's say you have just no motivation. You can't, you know, can't bring yourself to exercise ever. I, I think we have some good options here right, on the table. Like one being cryogenically frozen. Right? <laughs> so, so I think that so, is a real option, right? I think you can, is that something you can do? If you're, today? if you're very wealthy, you can do it now. I think, I think there are some frozen people out there waiting to be revived. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, just in case anybody's unaware, the idea is that, of course, being frozen sort of um, slows down, you know, what would otherwise be, you, you just sort of would slowly degrade, right, your body, right? So you, you try to freeze it like you freeze anything and it sort of slows down the degradation. And uh, you're just kind of waiting until such a time as when we figure out as a society uh, how to unfreeze people and and bring them back to life, and then presumably at that time the technology is a lot better, you know, and you can, you know, fix up any health problems you have after having been frozen for a hundred or more years, and then uh, just uh, pick up living. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, my my main concern is so imagine you've got a family and and you're like say forty five years old and you've got a pretty significant health concern. Are you? <laughs> is it the case that you'd be like, okay, I'm checking out though. I'm going to freeze oh, myself. So I think I think all of these people were dead and then frozen. Is that is that what you're? Oh, what? I don't think you can. I don't. I'm not sure it's legal to just freeze yourself while you're alive. <laughs> Wait. So they died and then they got frozen in the hope that they would become undead. That's less surprising to me than the idea that anybody would just freeze themselves while they're alive. Uh, that's a fair. <laughs> you do make a fair point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that so far that that's that's what's happened. It's like you've made you make arrangements before you die, and then like you know you're medically dead at least by today's standards, and then they immediately freeze you, um, okay, so as to be revived at a later date. So it's just like what they do with an organ, but on a bigger scale, presumably. So they freeze the whole person rather than just a single organ, but it it is shortly after death. Well, organs are kept in cold storage. Not a, the same thing as being cryogenically frozen, though. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's that's probably right. But all, all I can think is, like, are you going to wake up in a hundred years with severe brain damage? Because, but then like, you're also going to be living in a time where people can get sure. severe brain damage. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. That's uh. All right. Uh, and, and then, like, you know, if you can't even be bothered to keep your your flesh and blood around, we do have one more option on the table here. Uh, and it's quite a well i would say it's a it's a pretty future looking idea and it's about uploading your consciousness into something else whatever that may be i don't know what what, what that might be yeah i mean a, a lot of people would would reference the movie the matrix here yeah right so you're just you know you're uploading your brain into some kind of virtual world or some kind of digital object in the physical world perhaps 
right? Just to sort of keep yourself around and not have to bother with um, all the meat and bones and blood and so forth. I do wonder what that life would. Do you think your life would be easier, Nick, if you didn't have all the meat and bones and that stuff? Well, it would be very different, wouldn't it? It would. But there'd be just so much stuff that you don't have to worry about. Like you wouldn't have to worry about feeding yourself or like all yeah. those sorts of things. Okay. Well, Neeraj, uh, we've got a very interesting slate of possible topics on the table for this season. Um, I hope we, we learn something and that we're able to apply it so that next time when you come to Houston, you know, you won't lose to a 14 year old again. Yeah. Guaranteed. If, yeah, I will, I will, uh, I will summit mountains and I will cross deserts so that I don't, uh, feel that, that shame again. Excellent. Well, shame is an excellent note to leave it on. (laughs) All right, Nicholas, thank you very much. Thanks everyone. See you in the next episode.